with so many Christian celebrities deconstructing and making known their reasons for leaving the faith, we take a look at a recent study that points to the main causes for doubts, and you may be surprised to see the most common factor that leads to said doubt. And a video has gone viral with a number of ladies dancing in a parking lot while commentators differ and whether or not it is just innocent fun or a sign of wickedness abounding in our Western culture. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing a recent viral video that was promoting a Mardi Gras of somebody actually wanting to play some music and doing a Mardi Gras tour. And some of the commentary that's been made by Christians, uh, by conservative talking heads and so forth, and kind of look at whether we see an agreement with Scripture with what they're seeing in this video, as well as dealing with doubts, and not only dealing with them, but looking at the root cause of those doubts. And I would say that this is an important time uh, to bring up, not only you know, liking and subscribing. We want you to like and subscribe to Good Fight Ministries, uh, to the YouTube channel. Leave a five-star review if you're listening to this via podcast. Like it, because we want to talk about these very, very important things. And for so many people that have been involved in the church, uh, discipling young men and women, we are at a battle. And I don't believe that this episode, talking about doubts or talking about promiscuous behavior, as we will get into, I don't think that those things are not completely interlocked. I think that they typically are. And one of the biggest things that I find is dealing with those who may have deconstructed, dealing with those or or even, you know, seeing things online from different people that have deconstructed or are saying, I no longer believe this and, and so forth. I have always noticed that there is a certain age where that takes place. And it is really interesting for myself personally, because at the time where most people are having these deconstructing moments, I did too, almost at the exact same time, right? It was right before I turned 21 that I gave my life to Christ, but I didn't deconstruct from Christianity. I deconstructed from all of the lies that I had believed. I went away from unbelief and came to belief at that age. So some of these things I do find quite peculiar. And when I look at some of the argumentation, I have a tough time trying to figure out how they think these are good cogent arguments for deconstructing. But that doesn't mean we just look at it and go, oh, well, this doesn't matter. It's just because they were never saved or some other form of argument that leads you to not actually having to deal with really rotten issues and actually deal and judge each case based on the evidence provided. And I think that's really important for us. But before we get into dealing with doubt and how these things might be interlinked, the video did go viral. And this is by somebody by the name of Mr. Weatherall. And the video went viral of him posting this video on TikTok on his 2024 tour, which is De Mardi Gras. And for those who don't know, Mardi Gras is... Uh, obviously not just uh, detailed with Ash Wednesday. It's supposed to be a time where people get out their sins, so to speak. And 
people do that. And it's very religious in the sense that uh, it's religiously followed and partied up and beads are thrown for ladies that are taking off their shirts and so forth. And it is right here in Louisiana that this is filmed. And a lot of people are pointing to this. And first, I will let you see the video. I'm describing it if you're listening to this via podcast. This is a bunch of ladies, college-age ladies with beads on, a lot of them, holding Stanley Cups at a gas station, dancing together with their backpacks on. Now, the version of that video that I saw came with the caption that said, why don't men want Western women? And there have been a lot of commentators, and they say, actually, I don't know if you know this, these are a bunch of what looks like sorority girls, and men have no problem getting with sorority girls. But I do think that people are missing the point on that, and I'll explain why. But Allie Beth Stuckey, who is a social uh, conservative and a Christian uh, commentator on issues just like this, has recently come under fire for her statements against uh, what would be traditional motherhood, so to speak, and not really statements against that, but really the trad wife movement, as they call it, which is something that you see online, women baking sourdough and, uh, you know, and so forth. But a lot of it, I think, has some really great traits uh, taking care of the family and, and so forth. And the, these these sound really awesome on the surface, but she did point out like some of the biggest ones on this are Mormons. Like one of the biggest social media or socialites when it comes to the trad wife movement actually is a Mormon. This isn't like something inherent in Christianity that all women bake sourdough bread. So I, I see that, but to have consternation towards that and then to see her commentary on this, I was, you know, I, I was a little befuddled, I would say. And here's what she had to say, quote, this Of all the reasons girls dancing with backpacks on is the reason men don't want women in the West. Okay, then. And a lot of people came out against her statements and her comments and were like, do you not understand the issue here? And she responded, also, I find this post to be a bit of a cope. Of course, you're not obligated to be attracted to any of these women. You can even find this silly or repulsive, but this is how sorority girls act together and... I'm going to shock you, but most sorority girls don't have a problem with finding a guy who's interested in them. And many commentators on here have pointed out the same thing that I'm sure a lot of you are probably thinking about. Uh, Yes, many of the men that are attracted to this sort of behavior are attracted to it, not because that would make a great wife and mother of my children, but that will make a great Friday, Thursday, or Saturday night of fun. That, that that is what they're ultimately looking for, and that is what is being appetized. And the dirtbags of this world who have, you know, have a pornography addiction that pushes them towards wanting to be more and more promiscuous, and studies have shown, and actually they've actually admitted to trying to also make men gay and bisexual and trans and so forth via the algorithms and pushing more pornography on them. Yes, plenty of people can now look at this and say, I can go after these women. And the point is not, oh, look, it's going to be really hard for pretty girls dancing at a gas station in Louisiana waiting for beads to come during Mardi Gras. Oh, it's going to be really hard for them to find a boyfriend. No, 
it will be hard for them and hard for real men to be attracted to this. Why? Because the Bible is against these very things. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22, it puts it this way. A ring of gold in a pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. And so when we look at that, we see even if there is some outward beauty, uh, if inward they're as bitter as goal, as it says in Proverbs chapter 7 or Proverbs chapter 5 and so forth, when you're looking at and their lips may drip of honey, but inward they're as bitter as goal. And does do we not know that they will drag us down to Sheol? And that's for guys and girls. There are plenty, I'm sure, of great looking guys that just want to sleep around. And sadly enough, they will use women for that purpose. And they're not the ones that end up getting pregnant, but they end up getting a girl pregnant and helping convince them that they will not be of any help and they should not have children. And then it ends in the death of the child. And there are plenty of guys who would do that sort of behavior over and over again. And this idea of it, even if that outward appearance is something, whether guy or girl, that is attractive to you, that you continue to be attracted by that, we need to recognize what will be the end goal there? What is going to happen there when this is just normative? And then even Christian commentators think, oh, it's no problem. Those girls will find plenty of men. Yes, they will find men who will use them and abuse them. That's all they will find. Not men that have character, not men that have virtue, not men that are righteous in Christ and put on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, because hopefully, just as women and men that are in Christ— they will see those people through the eyes and the lenses of Scripture. And that's the most important thing. In this, on this very text, in John Wesley's notes, uh, he actually quotes a poem by his brother under Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22, and it says this, Of beauty vain, of virtue void, what art thou in sight of God? A slave to every base desire, a creature wallowing in the mire. Go, gaudy pageant of the day, Thy folly, thy face display. Set all thy charms and graces out and show the jewel in thy snout. And I, I think Charles Wesley had a way with words. Some of the greatest hymns, I think, that have been written were written by Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley. And when I think about that, it really does break my heart. And when we think of the culture that we, we are in, uh, in the West, in the United States, where it is... You raise your child for 18 years and send them out into the wild. And hopefully, while they are surrounded by the company of unbelief, why they are surrounded completely by themselves for the first time after 18 years of having uh, watched over their souls as parents, now they are in an environment where, oh, 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. What? Bad company corrupts good morals. They're being corrupted. And at the same time that they're being corrupted and now their fleshly desires are being enticed by everyone around them and everything around them at that same very time, guess what happens? They now can have intellectual problems because somebody who is very persuasive that they can appeal back to authority also has a bunch of information that they are now going to throw at them at the same time that they are continually being called and pulled by the ways of this world. And now look at it. That's what they have. They have the intellectual problem and they have a volitional doubt that might come because of what? Now they're going to be committing that 
sin or wanting to commit that sin. And then it becomes an emotional doubt and it becomes emotional because guess what? It's emotional because they've committed the sin that they know is wrong, but they're trying to suppress the truth and unrighteousness and trying to make an excuse for them wanting to commit such acts and then say, well, it doesn't matter because none of this is real anyways. And now they have other excuses. And a recent Barna study, and this is something that I wanted to look into because I, I love sharing the gospel with people. I love talking with people and I love hearing why they might have doubts uh, towards faith and so forth. And yeah, everything I just said, I believe wholeheartedly that we suppress, because I did it before I came to Christ. I suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. I held it down so that I didn't have to believe it. And I think a lot of people do deal with doubt even within the church. And it's our job, and I believe the, the, the job of every brother or sister in Christ, because it says in Jude, have mercy on those who are doubting. And also we want to snatch them away from the flames and, and even hate the very garment of flesh. And we want to do that. And, and I believe wholeheartedly that sin affects in this way. But I wanted to see what are some of the doubts, not the people that have deconstructed and now they're making memories up. I think they really do. A lot of people will look back and try to find every little thing wrong and and say, oh, well, it was all this, it was all this. People do this when it comes to divorce. You talk to an ex, they'll tell you about all the horrible things and how terrible they were, and they will never bring up all the love that they had uh, one with another. I'm not saying never. I, obviously, I'm using hyperbole there, but a lot of times you'll only remember these these terrible things and and sometimes change a little bit about actually how you viewed those things growing up based on what your current situation is. But Barna did a study on doubts and there's some, there's actually some good things and some bad things here, but I, I want to read from this. 52% of United States teens and adults have experienced doubts about their faith in the past few years. So just in the f- past few years, there are people of faith. These are not you know, non-believers, obviously. They're not having doubts. They may be having doubts of their faith in atheism or secular humanism or whatever it may be, but they they have different reasons for doubting. But this study didn't just go into people having doubts, and many of them actually just believed it's a time that they're going to get through, and that actually ends up being true. But here is what the study says about what causes the doubts. And over a quarter of all doubts, more than 25% of all doubts that come in, the number one thing that causes doubt is a doubt that comes from a past experience with a religious institution. And for those with some distance from Christianity or the church, whether we analyze by people of no faith, the unchurched, those who could be described as deconstructing and so on, quote, the hypocrisy of religious people is the top driver of doubt. Now, why is that important? Uh, It's important because that's actually what the Bible says. Uh, Wholeheartedly, that's what the Bible says. In fact, if you remember in Matthew 23, Jesus's eight woes that he throws at the Pharisees, the woe that he starts with, the very first woe that he starts with is a woe to the Pharisees who what? It says that they shut up That means they keep people from the kingdom of God and they themselves shall not enter. And Jesus came out against them over and over and over again for their rank hypocrisy. 
The fact that that they looked all green on the outside. They were a whitewashed tomb. Looks nice and green on the outside. But inward, they just had their dead inside. They draw near with their lips, but their heart was far from God. And so when we're seeing this, it should be no surprise. And the idea of church hurt and so forth, and with stories coming out like with with Mike Bickle and even people like Dalton Thomas, and then obviously, you know, you look at the Kenneth Copelands of the world with him being, uh, you know, embarrassed on camera regarding his, you know, luxury, life of luxury. When you look at over and over again, some of the stuff going on with T.D. Jakes and, oh, I mean, Jimmy Swagger, you could just go down the gauntlet and see that these very people, yes, are keeping people from the kingdom of God. It is a hindrance. It is a hurt and it is painful and it's real. And there are real doubts. And guess what? There are wonderful teachers of the Bible. There are wonderful researchers and so forth that they talk about this and they share with us. In fact, we sat down with Dr. Gary Habermas. And for those who don't know Dr. Gary Habermas, he is considered by many as the foremost scholar on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking simply about Christians that believe the resurrection, whether Christian or atheist, he is considered one of the top scholars on the planet concerning the evidence of the resurrection. And he is someone who specifically dealt with painful doubt for many years to the point where he almost converted to Buddhism. And we talked to him about said doubt and we said, hey, what are some ways that you've dealt with it? And he has free online books you guys can check out. We'll put links in the description here. But we actually asked him the question regarding doubt and also these three types of doubt that might occur. Those three categories are factual, emotional, and volitional. Um, you can imagine factual, uh, is Christianity true? It's kind of what we talked earlier about Anthony Flew becoming a theist. He saw the um, intelligent design, cosmology, the laws of the universe, and those facts, th those are factual. But the emotional kind of doubt it's it's the most common. Emotional doubt is by far the most common and by far the most painful. In fact, it could be the only one that's really painful. Uh, if you have facts, if you're looking for facts, but it's starting to hurt, that means you're still asking factual questions, but starting to morph into emotional aspects. And what you have to do with emotional doubt is not pile the facts on. Because they'll they'll thrill the person, and then next week they'll be right back in their doubt again. To deal with emotional doubt, you have to deal with the emotions. If I could use an illustration, if you break your leg, you have to go in a walking boot or a cast. You get casted up, and if you're you get it done the right way, you you heal. You're fine, and 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 that takes care of the data per se. But there's a lot of emotion that goes with the two. We can have more than one doubt at one time. Like the leg can hurt and the leg can be in a cast. Um, we can ask factual doubts and have emotions. But the key thing about emotional doubt is teaching somebody to train their emotions. You have to tell, in Lewis's words, C.S. Lewis, you've got to tell your emotions where to get off. You got to learn to tell your emotions. No, this is true. I'm not going to entertain this anymore. And you employ steps to make, to turn your emotions, you don't, you can't totally turn your emotions off, but you can turn the spigot off. 
you can keep emotions from dumping everything into your life and causing all kinds of pain. And not only does he show we need to put doubt in its proper place and recognize when things are emotional, but he also talks about there can be a sanctifying factor when it comes to our doubt. And in his book, The Thomas Factor, Using Our Doubts to Draw Closer to God, he wrote this, quote, Dealing with emotional doubt has taken us to the practice of biblical disciplines like prayer, thanksgiving, praise, meditation, and personal study. In working through our questioning, we may have been pursuing the path of increased spirituality without even realizing it. The last thing we should do is stop the process of growth when our pain begins to subside. This is the very time we should be increasing our spiritual progress, not only as preventative therapy, but also as a means of continued growth. The resulting maturation continues to push us to the direction of practicing the other Christian disciplines too. If, with the psalmist, we desire God and long for Him with all our hearts, then we should seek Him. We can pursue those practices that can increase our intimacy and fellowship with Him. And I love that for a number of reasons, a couple of which, something that I thought when I was a newer believer and doubts would come arise, I would think about 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, even if our hearts condemn us, the Lord is greater than our hearts. And I think there is a practice that we can do, holding on to his precious and magnificent promises, putting on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the promise of the Lord's return, knowing that he is coming back for us, putting on the belt of truth, holding these things up together, be busy about your father's business, walking in the gospel, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, walking uprightly by your God, and also putting up the shield of faith by which you will be able to extinguish the fiery darts, and I believe a lot of them are fiery darts of doubt of the enemy. And in doing so, guess what? You are going to be recognizing we can't do it on our own. And like Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we hold on to his precious and magnificent promises, and we do not trade that which we know to be true, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what his word says, the prophecies and so forth, we do not trade that which we know to be true for the things we do not yet understand. And holding on to truth is so important. So many people, when I listen to them, when I hear these deconstruction stories, what they typically do because it's an emotional doubt that may come from having different doubts because of you know facts and, and so forth that you may not understand or or don't have yet, or somebody might have persuaded you in, in, some, in some way, what typically happens is they will find any sort of scholarship that might agree with their point or simply cast doubt on an important factor that might lead them towards faith. And what they will do is they will continue to just go there and live in the doubt rather than recognizing the emotional and volitional reasons for doing so. And I believe Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and Dr. Habermas talks about this, Pastor Joe and I have talked about this before, this set of verses seemingly are some of the best, really the best, when it comes to our emotional care for our soul, when we say, God, what does your word say regarding all these things? We could quote 1 Peter 5, 7, that we cast all our anxieties, all our cares 
on him because he cares for us and that we remain sober and vigilant in verse eight, because our adversary, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom we may devour. But Philippians 4, 8 gives us, I believe, a lot of the anecdote for the true biblical therapy that we need on our hearts. And this is what it says. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If you want to know God, you want to trust God, you want to continue to be walking in him, practice these things, dwell on these things, and the peace of God will be with you. And I pray that would be true for you, that the peace of God will be with you. This has been Chad Davidson. This is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.